This is the Wealth Standard Radio, your gold standard in everything financial. Hey, everyone. Welcome uh, to the Wealth Standard Radio. This is Patrick Donahoe, and this is episode 135. Uh, last uh, last week, we uh, we were in uh, sunny, it was actually a cold spell in South uh, South Florida. I was looking forward to escaping the winter weather of Utah. But uh, I was kind of blistery and, you know, it was like 50s down there, still better than, you know, teens here. But uh, we did our podcast on uh, the Tony Robbins Business Mastery uh, event that uh, John Stewart and I, one of the guys here, uh, did. And it was it was awesome. So if you didn't listen to that, go back and uh, go back and check it out. Um, that was actually one of my favorite episodes in a, in a while to do. Um, so that's episode 134. But today... We're gonna kind of go off on a little tangent. Now, we obviously we talk a lot about finance, and we talk about uh, you know understanding wealth and understanding your uh, your role in building your wealth, whether it's the business you create or whether it's the the savings that you have and growing that over time. But today, this may seem somewhat abstract, but I think it has a lot to do with understanding the principles of wealth, and it's the revolution of technology. And technology has always uh, fascinated me and my counterpart today. It also fascinates him. And uh, I think this is your cameo. Is this your cameo appearance cameo on the event. podcast? Yeah. <laughs> so David, David Torsak has been here for, uh, for several years now, and he is our CIO and CTO, our Chief Information Officer and Chief Technology Officer. And he, I think he has a passion for, for technology, would you say? Yeah, technology is amazing. You guys, a, you guys a, year, a, couple, it was a couple years ago, we went to Dreamforce. And you guys were like totally. You and Mark were like totally different people. <laughs> you went there. Was I was like, who are these guys? Yeah. And I was like, I was totally like not in my comfort zone. I was like, there's fifteen thousand people, and I was like, what the freak is going on? But you guys were like just all over the place and taking courses and going to break. So yeah, I I could tell that you had the the tech bug back then. Yeah, you get a bunch of tech guys all in one place. I think we all go kind of crazy about the new things that are kind of up and coming and the whole vision of, of what could happen. So for our, for, for us and going to Dreamforce, it was, it was kind of a dream come true. Right. <laughs> this is your, this is your yeah. third time you went, cause you went this year. That was your third time. Yeah, going, right. So three times. Well, I think tech, you know, technology, I, I think in how it relates to, to wealth. I mean, I think we're, we all live in a modern society and we're here, you know, we have a job and we've chosen to live here instead of on a farm, you know, living off the land. We've chosen to be here. Money is part of the equation, setting money aside, preparing for the future. I mean, there's all sorts of reasons to, to build wealth. But you look at the society and the environment that we're in, uh, wealth is always relative. And I think oftentimes we talk about the ability to control. And you look at our markets and society and the economy and how quickly it is transitioning and changing that change could disrupt the control that you thought you had. And I think most people, they they have different perspectives when it comes to technology, but it's not the perspective of how it's going to affect their overall financial well-being. And so that's what I wanted to talk about today is just kind of go into the technology that is making its way into our society and how that's going to disrupt uh, other industries. It's going to disrupt companies. It's going to put companies out of business. It's going to force them to either, um, you know, change and adapt and evolve, or it's going to force them out of business. And, you know, I, I think it's fascinating to see technology because why, I mean, I guess the first part of our conversation is, you know, why, why do people continue to innovate? Why do we have 
new cell phones and new cars and new this and new that. What's like what's the driving force behind why technology continues to grow? I think it's just innately human, honestly. I mean, when you look at us, I mean, when we were, you know, cavemen, we found a better way to to use our tools and then you know, we invented the wheel and we did all these great, you know, innovative things to, to make our lives better and, and make things easier. And I think technology today, the reason why it moves so rapidly is because we've really kind of tapped into our minds and we've created this computer, which is an alternate mind that can do things for us and work with us. And mm-hmm. so by doing those kinds of things quicker and faster and getting it moving faster, a lot of those kind of mundane things that we did in the past are, are going away. Yeah. Well, I think it's it's interesting to look at. I mean, I think there's two two characteristics uh, when you look at the the human being, right? And the first the first characteristic is we we can come up with ideas, right? And where do those ideas uh, come from? That's a whole other conversation. But typically, when you look at inefficiencies or you look at difficulties, challenges, right? We're always thinking about okay, how do we not have that again? How do we not you know, if it's a caveman, right? How how do we, you know, not freeze? Let's figure out a way to, you know, they figure out how to have fire, right? How do we transport things like an animal that they kill? We'll figure out the wheel. I mean, it's basically taking pain or anxiety and figuring a way not to repeat it again, right? Right, taking all those pain points away and just saying, hey, I don't, you know, that hurt somehow. I mean, either physically, <laughs> mentally, emotionally, somehow. I don't want to financially, in a lot of cases, um, how can I make that not happen to me again? And I think that's what really technology does. It fills that void of saying, hey, let's take some of these pain points away. Yeah, I mean, I think you look at, let's go through pain points financially. I, I think you go look and look back at the different uh, market corrections, like 2001, 2008. And when that happens, people suffer. I mean, you go out to the Great Depression, and during the Great Depression, you had a severe event. And the reason why I don't think 2008 went to that length is because during the Great Depression, people were in the streets, right? And they were basically complaining together. They were all – because they didn't have entertainment. They didn't have distraction. I think the reason why 2008 worked out so well is because people had entertainment. They had things they can do for very cheap that could, that could distract them. Uh, but still, if you look at the Great Depression pain – that's still uh, the result of that pain still exists today. We had a, a neighbor over who, um, you know, last week when we were away, that she watches our our kids, um, and she was taking care of her mother-in-law before she passed away. And she grew up. The mother-in-law grew up during the Great Depression. She was saying that the mother-in-law had like two million dollars in a bank account, two million dollars in bank, but she never bought clothes, and she'd keep the thermostat at sixty-five degrees even in the middle of winter. So it was, it's kind of like that mentality back then had such a significant impact on the rest of her life that she lived as if, you know, she still had two cents in her bank account oh, it's back a, in the Great it's Depression. It's a total scarcity mentality. Yep. And really, you realize, I think, and I think we did see a glimpse of it back in 2008, 2009, where we were like, hey, you know, even though we we have these things today, it doesn't mean we're going to have it tomorrow. I, I was in the real estate industry for a while, and I remember... When I was first going through and getting my real estate license, I remember the the training that I went through, they'd always pound this in your head that, hey, you know, real estate is the one investment that never loses money. Well, <laughs> 2008, 2009 came yeah. and it shows you can lose your shorts in real estate yep. and actually your property will lose value. Yep. And if you if you believe anything different today, you've been shown that five years ago. Yep. So you need to 
not have that mentality that, oh, this is just a guaranteed investment that I can put money away into. Yeah. So the, so the first thing, going back to human, you know, human nature, it's like, we don't want to, we don't want to go through the pain again, right? That's that, that's the first thing. The second thing is, you know, the, the ideas we come up with, we come up with those uh, solutions and we always want more because human beings are imperfect. We always are making mistakes and we're always figuring out ways to not make it again. And nowadays it's like you see somebody else's mistake and you figure out, wow, if a lot of people are having that mistake, I can create a business around that and figure out a way to, and that's what we'll probably get into a lot of today because that is a technology that is really disrupting our, our society. But still in the end, the idea, what you said in regards to why we continue to have more technology and improvements and we're always going to have a 2017 Ford F-150 and 2008. There's always improvements to be made. And so now, you know, looking at the improvements, it's not a linear improvement, right? It's becoming uh, compound. It's the compound effect. And it's not compounding from one company compounding on their ideas, but we're in a sharing economy, mm -hmm. right? And the sharing economy is, you know, GM knows some of the tech of Ford and Ford knows some of the tech of, um, you know, BMW and BMW gets some of their tech from Rolls-Royce and Rolls-Royce. I mean, you have a lot of sharing. So all of this compounding is just massively growing what's coming next year, what's coming the year after. And who knows where it's going to go, but let's maybe talk about uh, some of the, the technologies that are disrupting our day and age right now. And as you said, you know, the real estate, it, it, there was an X factor that nobody was aware of that came in and totally undermined that whole philosophy that real estate was always going to go up, real estate was always going to be a good investment. So now, what are some of these X-factor, potential X-factors that are out there that are going to come in and swoop into society and totally disrupt the way in which we live? Oh, I think Tesla's a great example, yeah. honestly. Yeah. I mean, you look at a car, you know, five, ten years ago, if you told me that there was going to be an electric car that could go 350 miles, you know, on a charge and was going to be zero to 60 in six seconds, mm -hmm. I would have said, hey, you're crazy, mm -hmm. right? But if you look at the the business model of Tesla and what they're doing and where they're going and, and really what their idea is for the future, I mean, they already have a car that can parallel park by itself. The self-driving. It's going to be a self-driving. Autopilot, that's what, yeah. Yeah, it has autopilot, and it's going to be a self-driving, fully self-driving car, I mm -hmm. think they said by 2020. Yep. I mean... And then that's also spurred on other car companies to say, hey, we're going to have a self-driving car. So that mentality is really kind of snowballed the effect of yeah. self-driving car. Yeah. Who who would have thought, hey, you know, we're, we're all going to not be driving our cars yeah. in 2025? <laughs> well, you know? well, so yeah, and we're going to get we'll get into one other aspect, which is a, a merger that happened recently. Um, but look at so this is what's really fascinating, because if you look at Elon Musk, right, the, the uh, you know, he was associated with uh paypal right mm -hmm. that's where he made the you know bulk of his initial money um he he got to the point where and this is you know hopefully we don't take this the wrong way but there is an idea of what's called fu money right which is basically you have all your basic stuff taken care of you all have your needs met everything you are on, on top of that it's basically i'm not doing this to make money i'm doing this to disrupt i'm doing this to change i'm doing this because that's what i want to do that's what i'm passionate about that's what i'm driven to do and he's at that point and here's proof what happened with jeff when jeff bezos Right, had some superior technology when it came to uh, his his rocket experiment. Elon Musk was like, he was he got pissed. Yeah, he was. He was pissed. He was, he was upset. He's like, they did it before me. I <laughs> I'm gonna change this. Right. Exactly. And what did he do just a couple months after that? 
he he did his launch. Exactly. And it landed perfectly. It went into outer space, came back, and landed right in the same. Right. So the idea behind him and Tesla, it's not because Tesla, you know, it looks kind of cool and it does this. He just he, He's just driven to disrupt. And how, what I see coming, he says 2020, but if you look at other people that are trying to create, like Google has their car, Apple's going to probably have their car. And this new merger, which was between GM, where GM put half a billion dollars into Lyft, which is you know kind of the equivalent of Uber. <laughs> now, who knows? Maybe someone's you know 2017, 2018. Once they start to make an innovation, what is Elon Musk going to do? Is that 2020 going to change or? Well, I think that you've seen that disruption already happen. I mean, when you look at what what GM did with Lyft, GM is is almost conceding that, hey, this is where we need to go. And when you see a car company like Tesla being able to really directionalize the market and say, this is where this is where the market needs to move, and you're pushing a big player like GM to mm-hmm. make that kind of an investment, mm-hmm. that's really saying something. I mean, when you really look at the big players in the, in the market right now, I would say Amazon, you have Google, you have Apple, you have companies like Tesla. Mm-hmm. Those ones are the companies that are really kind of changing and disrupting it. I mean, you saw with, it was like three or four months ago or maybe even a half a year ago when Amazon said, hey, we're going to have drones take all of our packages. <laughs> what did Walmart do almost immediately within three to four weeks after that? They said, we're going to do the same thing. And they invested in a drone company so that, you know, they could have drones deliver their products to people, too. And they're they're researching that and, and trying to figure it out. Mm-hmm. When you have somebody disrupt the marketplace like that and cause a big player to make an investment and say, wait, uh, I didn't see that vision, but I need to make that investment. Mm-hmm. That's some serious disruption. And I think all so the disruption, I want to continue on this this trail because it, it always it just disruption fascinates me. But before we go to that, I want to set the context a little bit better. And the context is whenever there's disruption, Okay, it's disrupting an industry. Now, it's kind of in a sense zero sum if if a zero sum game if those that are already in the industry that may have market share or whatever um, are not innovating and changing. And so I want to talk about maybe the collateral damage, the unintended, you know, the the results of disruption and how they might negatively affect somebody. And well, for me, when we talk about disruption, a lot of people think, oh, that's a negative thing. I'd like to flip it and say, you know what? That disruption actually opens up an age of enlightenment mm-hmm. to a lot in a lot of ways because what happens is after that happens, it's kind of like the internet age, right? When the internet was first brand new, everybody started getting on, but now the internet is a way of life. We have a whole generation of people that have, have ne- never have known, never anything, known different. anything different. Yeah. You know, we we had to not use cell phones. We had to have landlines and all these things. We have whole generations now that mm-hmm. have never known anything different. Mm-hmm. And that was all disruption back in back in our time. And so we look at it and we're like, oh, okay, this is just kind of the norm. Mm-hmm. But really, it's an age of enlightenment. What kind of knowledge came after the internet and the World Wide Web and everything else? We can go out and get any kind of information that we want, yep. some good, some bad, but we still have access to information in minutes and seconds. Like seconds. Right. And so really, it, I think disruption really opens up enlightenment and new ideas and new innovation. And even it kind of velocitizes that whole technology and, and you have that, that movement toward bettering 
just the human experience. So why why don't you because because I'm on, we're on the same page. I think we we think very similar along those lines. But but still, you do have a negative sentiment out there when it comes to disruption. I mean, let's talk about Uber and and Lyft, right? Which is kind of the social car sharing. Which it's it's amazing. I was I was I saw these statistics of uh, the the net revenue of Uber uh, or, or EBITDA revenue of Uber versus uh, I think it was Ford. And Ford was like twenty billion, and Uber was like twenty-seven billion. Right? Mm-hmm. Ford has been around, you know, forever. Forever, they they invented the car. It's like, how does Uber come in and do do that so quickly? And they don't even own cars. So my my question is, what industry is is that kind of car sharing disrupting? I would say, I, I mean, really, it's it's the auto industry in general because. If we all have self-driving cars, if if I can just go and, and get a taxi and, you know, just do it all on my phone and it's all automated and I don't have to worry about standing on the curb, putting my hand out, waiting for somebody to come and get me, mm-hmm. you know, it, at that point, it's disrupting the, the travel side of it. It's disrupting the car side of it because now if I'm a car company like GM... Yeah. It's in my best interest to have a fleet of these vehicles, and then I can actually be a participant in, in actually, you know, the monetary side of it, mm-hmm. and I can have a whole fleet of cars that I'm saying, hey, these are my cars, yeah. and these are my vehicles that you can that I can transport you in, and I can just put them throughout the whole country, yeah. and it's in my best interest to do that yeah. because now my cars are out in in the, in the space, right? So for me. It's it's kind of that. What I also would think is it's also disruptive. When we when we say disruptive, it's bad in the sense that our people are probably going to have to. In in Obama said this really really good during the two thousand eight two thousand nine crisis when he said, "Hey, you know what? People are going to have to learn new skills. There are going to be people that have to learn new skills because technology makes it to where you will have to learn new skills. Mm-hmm. Is that a bad thing? Not completely." Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's kind of, you have to adapt to yeah. survive. Unless you're unwilling to adapt. Yeah, if, is it, if is you're, it uh, bad? If, if you're not going to, if you're not willing to adapt and, and, you know, you have the mentality of I'm an old dog, you can't teach me any new tricks. Mm-hmm. Then at that point, I think it might be a little bit harder, yep. but I think we're also learning that. And we've, we've learned that, Hey, we can adapt. We can learn new things. Mm-hmm. We can be participants in this yep. versus just. Sideline thinking, and I think it's I think it's smart because if you start to default, even though you may not want to, following this is going to is going to help you because you're going to see where society. You might not be able to pinpoint, but you're going to know some of the targets of where it's going. Because looking at because you hit on you hit on a few things, the car industry, right? What has been the mantra of the car industry for the last you know 50 years? Every single year, new model, new model, new model, new model, right? Everybody, you know, it's they just continue. That's the buying behavior, and you have to do new and new and new. But looking at like self-driving cars, looking at um, you know sharing, which is you can be on your phone and program a car to come to your house and take you to work, and you don't have to own a car, right? And looking at that now, what is that going to do to the demand of new automobiles? Who who knows? I mean, I'm, we're just this is all conjecture in a sense. But at the same time, you know now you take out the electric side, you know the gasoline side of things, right? Now you have you know the the uh, electricity powered cars, right? Which is already exists. And that, that technology is just going to expand and get better and better. Once you have solar that powers a home instead of, 
you know, solar and wind perfects its, you know, charging ability as well as its battery storage. Now, now you don't need natural gas. Now you don't, I mean, there's all sorts of things that are going to be thrown on its heels, car industry, because they're not going to have to make as many new cars maybe, but also you look at, you know, the energy sector and what that's going to do. And I think right there, that's one of the, you know, it's the main, one of the main industries, not the only one, but it's one of the main ones that we're seeing right now, a massive disruption that's only just begun because GM figured it out. They were smart because GM is, you know, they, you know, was considered government motors and they had, you know, their cars are ugly as <laughs> ugly as get out, right? Nobody wants to buy them. It's like, you know, the, it's just part of like, you know, the the national or Hertz or, or right. it's all the rental cars, <laughs> the rental cars, right? Or the or the government. And but now that was it was a smart move on their part, right? Because they said, okay, we can try to catch up to BMW, we can try to catch up to Mercedes, we can try to catch up. They're like, you know, that's never gonna happen. So what can we do? We can skip in front of them. Yeah, and, and maybe it's a good move. Maybe it's not. Who it, knows how it's going to pan out? But still, smart honestly, move. In my, in my I opinion. wouldn't even be surprised to see some of these other companies partner with the rental car companies because it's a smart move there too. It's it's smart for them to come and say, "Hey, you know what? You can get a self-driving rental car that will pick you up at the airport. It will take you where you need to go, and you can rent it for the week and yep. do whatever else." Yep. And that would be ideal, right? Yep. And so. There's there's such a void there, and I think that it's really exciting. It's going to be exciting over the next couple of years to see what actually happens. But you're right. It disrupts the energy side of it, too, because of the fact that you're going to have electric cars. And I think that, you know, we've just seen kind of the tip of the iceberg with, you know, the the Tesla battery and how far it can go. I think that as they keep refining that technology, you're going to see it's going to be able to go further and further and pretty soon you're going to have a car that will go a thousand miles on a charge. Mm -hmm. And so what does that mean? Yep. And, you know, I, you can go into the other side, which is cleaner environment and everything else. Yep. But what does that mean for the, for the oil industry? Yep. I, that's, you know, a whole other kind of Total conversation <laughs> because, you know, oil industry, we can see it today in the markets. It just makes everything go up and down and so volatile. And, yep. and Because of how big it is. Yeah, how big it is and how much, how many businesses are participants in that marketplace. Yep. And so it, I think the, the more and more we dial back off oil, the better we can be. Yep, 100%. So let's, I want to I maybe shift gears a second. And I didn't prepare you for this, so, uh, but I think you'll agree with me in a sense. So I had, a, I had a very interesting conversation with my daughters last night, right? They're, they're 9 and 11, and we were, we were eating dinner, and my youngest, my 9-year-old, my she was telling me about you know, an assignment that she has coming up uh, next week, and they're going to have a discussion on why uh, the society would be chaos without the government. So I, I, I sat back, and some of you may hate me for, for what I'm about to say, but I, I stepped back and I was like, okay, that is, that is, that's interesting, you know, why they would do a project like that. But I wanted to turn it kind of into uh, a learning lesson. So I started asking questions to, to Megan and I said, okay, Megan, you know, why, you know, what, what's the purpose of, uh, of the government? We started having a conversation about they, you know, they protect us and, you know, they make laws and, and whatever. But I said, you know, why do we need government? And so I, she's like, well, what do you mean? I said, well, I'll give you an example. It's like, I said, does the government, you know, need to, should they create a law that's, that tells people that they should, uh, they should not smoke? And, and she, she looked at me and she says, yeah. And I'm like, well, why? She's like, well, four-year-olds would, she, this is her answer, I swear. She said, four-year-olds would smoke. <laughs> and I'm like. <laughs> well, that might be true if we didn't have regulations that said, hey, don't advertise to four-year-olds, right? <laughs> but, but it was, it was interesting because, 
then I said, you know, it doesn't mean that four year old was smoked. You know, do you think really? Because right now I could smoke, but I don't. I don't smoke. Right. And and so I said, listen, you know, you look at the 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 role of government. It's you know, it's it's this and this. And then we got into, and this is where I would want to hit on as far as technology, um, because we can go off on a, a huge tangent here, but people may you know hate me for saying some of the things I would say. So I'm going to basically talk about you know the food the food industry, mm-hmm. and uh, and also talk about. Um, like more of the, the health organization. So let's talk about the food industry. So we, we basically said, you know, I said, Megan, right now, uh, you, in order for like a restaurant, okay, to get, uh, to be able to open, right, they have to get a license, okay? And it's a license to, to serve food. And I said, why do you think they have to, to do that? And she was like, well, you know, so the, you know, people have healthy food and they, they won't get sick. I'm like, yeah, that's, that's pretty much why it was created. So then I asked, then I asked her, okay, so, so do we really need that? She's like, yeah. And I'm like, why? Well, people, you know, then people will get sick when they go eat. I'm like, okay, so let's say mommy and daddy went out to eat and we went to this restaurant and the food was nasty. They didn't, you know, they, even though they had their license, they didn't, you know, they didn't, weren't following the rules and the food was nasty and we got so sick. I said, what would we do after that? And and she's like, well, I, I don't, I mean, yeah, you would have to go get medicine or whatever. And I was like, well, no, think about it. Like, what does mommy always do when she takes pictures? <laughs> she, she, you know, she'll put it on Facebook. And she's like, yo, okay. And I'm like, well, what if we put on Facebook that we just got sick because of, of this restaurant? Okay. What would happen to the restaurant? She started thinking about it. And she's like, it would go out of, it would go out of business. Right. Because no one would go. So I'm like, okay, so we really need a licensing division to tell a person if they show up in a restaurant or not. So my point is, it's like, you look at really our ability as as a society to in a sense kind of police each other how do you think that is going to to impact things now it doesn't say that we're not going to need those type of regulations but if you look at really the role that government has played in a sense it's to protect us but is there technology that's out there that is essentially going to help facilitate um that as opposed to government bodies well i think that we've probably started to see that as well. So, I mean, when we didn't have these kind of communication avenues before like Facebook or Pinterest or Instagram or any of these things where you could instantly go and say, hey, you know, I had a terrible experience here. Or, you know, even some of these things like Open Table and other things mm-hmm. that actually can, mm-hmm. you can read. Yelp. Yeah, Yelp, Yelp and all the, all these different things. And so um, with all of those, I think they offer insight into into individual experiences and actually helps you mm-hmm. um, make buying choices. And mm-hmm. I think that it helps to actually police police the, the businesses as well. So I think that that will actually take more of a part in the future than even what government does right now. I think government, yeah, does it have a role in maybe creating what the standard should be? And as Mm -hmm. long as the the business is following that standard, Mm -hmm. maybe they're great. Mm -hmm. But let's be honest. I mean, do businesses cut corners? For sure. All the time. And so I think that the policing of the government will always be Mm -hmm. the people. I mean, Mm -hmm. we we police our government, right? And so... I don't think that that's going to be any different. And yep. we, we've seen that. I mean, mm-hmm. you've seen, um, you know, where people have, have got the bill of their from the restaurant and the, the waitress will say, hey, your kid was too loud or something. And, yep. you know, they'll write something back. And, and you actually see these pictures of people writing stuff on receipts and mm-hmm. they go viral of yeah. these messages and yeah, stuff. And absolutely. so I think that those things actually are us policing each other and and showing, Hey, you know what? 
we we want that good human experience between each other. And I think that that's only going to grow. Yeah. And I, and, I, and I agree. And it's more of, you know, it's it's looking at, you know, the innovation of everything. It's not just the, the innovation of, you know, transportation or, or the innovation of food. I mean, it's really literally the innovation of everything. Because right now you can point out inefficiencies in everything. And so if human nature stays tried and true, which it will because it has since the beginning of time, then there will be perfections always made to these these different things. And who knows where it's going to lead. But I think that is almost a, a certainty to an extent. So so anyway, we had this, so we had this discussion and just, you know, it made me think of a few other things as well. So I'll I'll, you know, since we're in the you know, our, our business is kind of like a combined business, right? So we have, you know, a marketing side, we have an education side, we have a financial product side, we have, we have tracking sides, we have, you know, different measurement sides and scoreboard. I mean, we have all sorts of, of, of things. Right. But if you look at the education side of things. So this is, and you have, you have uh, three daughters and, you know, they're all, they're all in school right now. So I, I have this theory and I, I want to see what your thought is since you may or may not be <laughs> on the same page as me. So I... So I have this I have this theory, right, that because of how much information is out there, that education and teachers, you're gonna probably hate me, close your ears if you don't want to hear this, but I think education in general is gonna be disrupted in the next several, several years. It might take, you know, ten years or so forth. But here's here's why. Is I look at, you know, the information that exists in our you know, on, on the internet today. And I look at the relationship between a teacher and a student, especially in public public schools, because uh, my kids are in, in a public school. And you look at really the authority and you know the this, the uh, the relationship of, of superior to inferior, right? Because right now the teacher is the the one that knows it all. They're the position that's respected, and you know the student is essentially looking up to them as a mentor, as a teacher. Okay, and because they have information that the student doesn't. What could technology do to disrupt that relationship? Oh, I think you've already seen it. I mean, I so I went to Marketo last year, and just a, a marketing software, which is a marketing software yep. Yep. Um, conference. And one of the keynote speakers was Saul Khan. Of oh, Khan really? Academy. I yeah. didn't know that. You didn't tell me that. And I actually got to meet him. I shook his hand. Oh, that's really, amazing. really awesome guy. Yeah. Um, and if you guys don't know the story, Saul Khan was actually tutoring his niece on YouTube and he did a really good job with, with his videos that he did that they went viral and everybody was like, Hey, you, you're a really awesome math tutor. And they wanted more. And so mm-hmm. what he did is he basically has created this, this platform called Khan Academy, mm-hmm. 100% free. Mm-hmm. Um, they have it from literally kindergarten all the way into graduate stuff, graduate stuff, yeah, yeah. like graduate like school, high, high level they physics. Have, and yeah. he has programming courses. He has, you know, computer science courses, mm-hmm. all kinds of stuff. And, and really, I, I actually started going through it because I was like, oh, this is kind of cool. Yeah. He, he's gamified it, made it to where you actually can That's get right. icons and stuff yeah. and, and, and made it really good. But his whole goal in what he was saying in the keynote is education should be free mm-hmm. and it should be available to everyone. And and in part of his keynote, he was showing people in Afghanistan, people in, in third world countries that now have the availability to get education that would have never had it in exactly. the past. Yep. And so when you say, hey, what is what does it look like today? I know people even today that are homeschooled through the internet. Mm-hmm. And so that's disruption and that is going to change things and the change and change the way in which we actually even view education because mm-hmm. everybody learns differently mm-hmm. and we have to understand that and 
there's nothing wrong with you going through something like Khan Academy and getting a, 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 a massive amount of information mm-hmm. and teaching yourself and really understanding the material. I, I, I don't, I wouldn't look at somebody going through that and going through grade school and think that they were any different as yeah. long as, you know, the, the competency was the same. Yeah. He actually had, a, a, and he was talking about this, this young man who dropped out of high school. Then he started going through the Khan Academy courses graduated, he got his GED, graduated high school, went to college. And because of Khan Academy, he had a learning disability. Um, he went, he got, he went through college and then now he's working at Khan Academy <laughs> because he was that much of a b- believer, believer of what yeah. Khan Academy did for his life. It was mm. somebody that, you know, in, in his view, he, because of his learning disability, he just got so close to just fed up with high school. And he said, I can't do this anymore. Mm. And he left. Interesting. But Khan Academy instilled the confidence in him to actually push on. And now he's an advocate for them in their organization. So for me, when you look at that, I mean, yeah, it's it's going to totally change the way in which we deliver even education. And I think, you know, and I, I don't know if you've seen the the Helix, Helix Education. Have you seen them? They were, their, their office is just like right around the corner. They mm-hmm. had that brand new sign that went up. Mm-hmm. It's in the CBiz building. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it's it's Brent and I went and looked at their website and it's very it's not Khan Academy but they basically build those kind of LMS and e learning uh, platforms. Well, another one is Pluralsight and yeah. they're yep. they're here in Utah but they're they're international. Yep. I mean, really, what they do. I mean, their focus is more on kind of the tech side of things mm-hmm. and tech certifications and stuff, but it's all virtual and yep. it's really really good. So you're seeing a lot of these really good companies and really good ideas fill that void because. Everybody, the the availability of information and education should not be restricted by the uber rich or the people that can afford it, right? Education should be free for everybody. And Uh being able to get even that higher education should be available to everybody. And I think that that's what you're going to see. Yeah, and so I I look at it a few ways because you're you're absolutely – it's going to continue – I mean, there's is is there deficiency in education? For sure, right? Because kids hate to go to school. That's that's the fact of the matter. Education should be something that people love love to do, but yet it's become this like you know total like I have to I'm forced to go to school and I have to go sit through these classes. So I I look at the disruption uh, a few ways, which kind of you know goes on a little bit of a tangent from where, where you were going. First thing I think you look at you know just what children know uh, and what teachers know, and I think once you get to the point where children their knowledge maybe will surpass their teacher in a sense. Um, or the teacher makes a mistake and says a date wrong or, or comes up, you know, does like a, like an algebra problem wrong. But yet the child, because they went to Khan Academy, knows it. Now they go up on the board and say, no, that's wrong. This is right. Boom. Credibility oh, yeah. is gone. And I think in a sense, you know, I know you have like, you know, a lot of other issues with education, but that I think is one of them. The other issue is right now, how is education funded? Right. It's all free. Right. For students. OK. Kind of. But it's funded from taxes. Right. So if you look at the tax burden that education puts on people, you know, it, right now there's a good a good trade off for in, in a sense. Um, but once you start looking at a lot of the other resources that are online and they're now it's kind of like, OK, educators, toe the line. Okay, step up your game. And I don't know that I don't know if that's happened. Maybe it's happened a little bit, um, you know, standards and so forth. But I see that coming down the pipe as well. And I think that's I think that's huge because these days it's like, 
you know, you can go take MIT courses. You can go to take Stanford courses for, for, for free, oh, yeah. right? Some of the top education in the world. And that's going to go, I, I mean, I don't, right now we're doing, I don't know if I, I, I don't know if I told you, I'm having Ashley, uh, we're having some VAs do some um, due diligence on just like the, the student loan bubble, uh, as well as the cost of education. And, uh, and then also just like what the graduation rates are. And anyway, we're doing a whole kind of synopsis there about how, you know, college does not make sense as it is right now. And how that is going to get completely flipped on its side because of the financial side of things. So we're we're in the process of doing some research around that. But if you look at again education, looking at college level education and what a person receives from that, it's become more about the piece of paper than it has about the information. And I think that's going to flip on its on its head very soon too. It may not be in the next you know five years or so, but I I think it's coming because education in general, we want to pursue education, we want to get smarter, we want to have skills, we want to have abilities. Okay, but. We've been so focused on the means that we have not given any attention to the end. And right now, the means—it's like a you know, it's like a dogma. The means are K to twelve, go to college, get a good job. If you can't, go to grad school. If you can't afford it, take on a bunch of loans, and that's you know what's going to paint the path for to your future. And that is—it's really the end that people are after. So if you can get a cheaper way and a more efficient way to that end, it, it just has not been as much disruption as, right. as it could. And, and, I would even, and I would even say on the technology side, right, you've, you've also seen where people, you know, Mark Zuckerberg, he said, hey, you know what? I'm in college. It's not teaching me a whole lot. Mm-hmm. I need to take this opportunity. And he yeah. left. Yeah. Bill Gates. Right. Bill Gates did the same thing. Yep. And they're amazingly, amazingly intelligent people. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, they see the opportunity. And really, I mean, even if you take our our area, for example, I think it was only until, you know, last year or the year before that even most of the major universities around here even even had a social media degree in their marketing. Yeah, and so it's yeah. like I think technology is moving so quickly that major institutions cannot keep up or don't even understand the technology that's there yep. and have not bought into it. Mm to where they're moving fast enough. And I think that you're seeing that that is actually causing them to be slower on the turnaround of actually being able to supply an education to somebody that where they're going to be able to go and leave college and have something that's workable and manageable. And so I think people are going to have to find a lot of that from outside influences. For sure. And so I guess, you know, we need to, we need to wrap, we have about 10, 10 more minutes or so maybe 10, 15 minutes. But I think as we as we wrap this up, because there's so many other examples we could we could give um, in relation to just how technology is potentially going to disrupt, just based on some of the things that are in motion right now. But it's really I, I want to talk about the impact that it has on uh, a person's wealth, because right now, you know, obviously in our in our society, there's been this, you know, there's the same thing as I mentioned with education. Okay, there is an end, and what's what's the end for most people? The end is our retirement. Okay, and what's the means to get there? People are using the exact same means they've been using it for decades, and a lot of that is you know mutual funds and it's uh, stock market driven. And if you really look at you know what a mutual fund is and what the stock market is, they're all it's all company ownership, and a lot of the a lot of companies that are out there are going to get disrupted. And the companies that are going to adapt, you know, like a GM, who knows what's going to happen there, at least they're making an effort. But those type of companies, if they do not innovate, if they don't adapt, they're going under, right? And just like taxi cab drivers, they're gone. I mean, yeah, they're they're around right now, 
but they're going to be gone. They're going to be gone very oh, yeah. quickly, right? And you're going to look at a lot of other industries disappear. And if you have your wealth tied up in those companies, it it's going to it could be shocking. But you also look at I don't know. You look at real estate. You know, a lot of people will will think they can invest in in real estate, and that's what's going to create cash flow. And I and I would I would tend to agree with them under certain circumstances, right? Because once you have technology that disrupts real estate, which you're going to have, okay, then what is that going to do to your overall game plan? So I think regardless of who you are, a business owner, an entrepreneur, uh, or just you know, and uh, you have a regular nine to five, and that's what you love to do, and you have everything tied up in the stock market and if you're not paying attention to a lot of these technologies, it is going to impact you in one way or the other. It's going to impact your it's going to impact your future. And so as I look at it, I mean, I, I there's a number of ways we can you know give some sort of advice. But the advice I would give, and then you can chime in. The advice I would give is just pay attention, right? Be aware of of what's going on. Be aware of how society is moving. And you don't need to. You know, you don't need to have newspapers and, and have all, you know, dedicated time to read books. And I mean, have a Google alerts, you know, have have something that notifies you about certain companies or notifies you about, you know, a, a technology that you think may disrupt things. Just start to, to pay attention. Keep an eye out in the news about certain things and see, OK, that's a disrupt. That's new. What is that going to do? What type of disruption? What type of you know industry is that going to affect? Well, and I would, I would agree. I think it's all about due diligence and understanding. Hey, the, the world around you. You have to be a participant in that world. If you if you choose not to, then that's fine. But if you want to participate and you you want to kind of see what's happening, then then participate in. And read the news. And if you're going to make investments, do your do your due diligence on that. Actually look and research before you just buy. And, you know, for me, it, I, I've made a couple major purchases over the last two years. And mm-hmm. I, I've researched it. And I feel like I've made really, really good decisions mm-hmm. there. And so for me, I'm like, the information's available. The greatest thing about technology is it's you have almost an inundation of information. You mm-hmm. have so much available at your fingertips that you kind of have to sift through some of the garbage to find mm-hmm. really those gems that you're looking for. Mm-hmm. But if you really want to find it, you can find mm-hmm. it and you can actually do pretty well off of it. Yep. So I think do the due diligence, research, have you know faith in your decision and, mm-hmm. and stick to it. I think that most of us, probably make we all make mistakes but most of us you know i think we make pretty good decisions and mm-hmm. we just need to fall back and and say yeah we're we're okay mm-hmm. there's a lot of fear out there i think there's a lot of volatility and with more and more innovation and disruption there's always going to be more volatility mm-hmm. but it's understanding that just because you have that today doesn't mean that you're not going to have it tomorrow yep. part of it for me is it's all about making those decisions but not being not overreaching Mm -hmm. because there's a lot of overreach and i think we can see something like hey you know there's a disruption with something like facebook and let me just go out and buy all of facebook when it goes public and then i mean all those people that did that they lost Lost. their shorts for two (laughs) years before it came back and and recovered so part of it is saying hey you know i need to make sound judgments Mm -hmm. i maybe i shouldn't overreach if i if i'm going to make this investment Let's make sure that I'm safe and secure on the way in which I do yep. that. Another, I mean, another big, another big thing too is gold and silver, right? I remember like th- two, three years ago, people were like, oh, you, you know, but gold, we have to buy, there's inflation, and you know, the government's printing more money, and you have to do gold and silver, and that, 
And that was, I mean, look at what that has done. It's been yeah. amazing. So it's kind of like, you know, you, you look, don't, don't emotionally react to things. When you make decisions, especially financial decisions, know both sides, right? And I think it's easier today to know both sides. Instead of having the, the one-sided opinion, which can push you in a, the wrong direction, know both sides of the argument. Once you know both sides, it'll give you a, bit, a better vantage point to make that decision. And I would say probably the final thing is our, I guess, philosophy in, in regards to, to, to life in general, which is the idea, even though we teach a retirement strategy and it helps you know, as opposed to the, the traditional methodology in regards to retirement strategy, we still don't necessarily believe in the idea of retirement. Okay? Human beings were meant to, uh, to always grow and always thrive. And the environment in which we do that the best is an environment we, where we um, are intrigued, where it, it fulfills us. We are energized by it. It's something that interests us. It's part of our personality. And I think there is no better time to find an industry, find a profession, find a way to make money uh, than this day and age. And so I would say as you're you know, looking at your career and looking at what you're doing, does it really fulfill you? Is it something you see yourself doing for the rest of you know the rest of your life? Um, I heard a statistic last week at the the Robbins event that millennials will have nine jobs, nine <laughs> jobs, right? And who knows? It's just conjecture, and who knows where the study is coming from? But it's but still, it shows that what are they searching for? They're searching, you know, probably searching for what I'm saying right now. But I think it's because they believe that an industry does exist that will give that fulfillment. And there's probably other reasons as well. But those that are, you know, if you're in your 40s, if you're in, you know, that the halftime of uh, of your career, really look at what the last two quarters are. And there may be some overtime there, maybe a lot of overtime, but that's not a bad thing. And I think we live in a day and age where if you enjoy something, right, there's probably an industry in a way in which a business has been created or you can create it where value can be there. Uh, and then remuneration can be there from a financial standpoint, because that's really, again, the, the idea of humans out there contributing, creating value. That's the nature of an economy in a sense, at least the first side of it. And, and, and that's the other flip side of technology is right now you're in, I think, the indiv- there's more focus on the individual with things like Facebook, LinkedIn, all these places where you can self-promote to the point in which you don't, you, you, you can self-promote yourself to the point where you want to go. I mean, you, you can say, hey, you know what? I want to own my own company. Let me promote myself online. Mm-hmm. You can say, hey, I want to be a manager. Let me promote myself online and, mm-hmm. and figure out ways to do that. Yep. And there are those vehicles to do that. And so, yeah, I think that, I mean, it doesn't matter at what stage you're in in your life. There's a vehicle today in which you can find a way to make it happen. Yep. Cool. All right, Dave, it was awesome having you on. Yeah. Dude, good job, man. You're a natural. You should <laughs> do a, a, a technology segment every yeah, few months. that'd be cool. <laughs> All right, everyone. Thanks uh, f- Thanks for this tangent today. I hope that uh, was valuable to you. It's you know, it's something that fascinates me and something I love to look into. I love I love the idea of disruption. I just, I like, I like uh, variety. I like the, the nature of change. And I like when, you know, human beings are using their mind and solving problems because um, there are a lot of them out there. And it's good when people step outside of their comfort zone and they say, you know, Instead of wallowing in my soup or my tears, I'm going to make a difference and I'm going to do something. I love, I love that reaction to, to anxiety and to, to problems. And just seeing everything that's, that's coming out, it's, uh, it's awesome to experience. It's a cool time to be alive. All right, everyone, thanks again. Episode 135 uh, in the books, and we'll talk to you next week. You've been listening to the Wealth Standard Radio Show, your gold standard in everything financial.